Again, we're in the book Heaven this week, chapter six, and it's talking about our eternal inheritance. So first of all, we'll have a word of prayer and then we'll get going with our reading. And hopefully you've had an opportunity to uh, read the read the chapter already. Let's pray. Dear Father, we thank you for blessing us with a desire to learn more of you. We ask and pray for your Holy Spirit's guidance and direction. Bless us, dear Lord, to continue to strive for the mastery. In the blessed name of Jesus, amen. 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 Okay, so we also have it up on the screen. Uh, can everybody see chapter six on the computer screen that has it? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Okay, so this one's about our eternal inheritance and that's talking about our eternal inheritance in heaven. Uh, we like to talk a lot about heaven in church. Uh, the pastors preach about heaven. We read about heaven. But in the first paragraph, Sister White is writing, she says, language fails to express the value of immortal inheritance. The glory, riches, and honor offered by the Son of God are of such infinite value that it's beyond the power of men or even angels to give any just idea of their worth, their excellence, their magnificence. So that's pretty interesting, right? That even though we talk about it, we think about it, we read about it, we just don't really know how glorious it's gonna be when we get to heaven. Any thoughts about that? Well, yeah, I you think know, about, no, go ahead. I was, I was um, looking at last week, they had, uh, a report on Putin in, in Russia and how he's owning all this stuff, lands and houses. And they showed a beautiful, it was really a beautiful house or room that, that he had, that he was owning. And I was thinking to myself, man, that is so nice. And then the Holy Spirit was, what I have for you is so much better than that. I would have mm -hmm. never thought of a room uh, the way his room was uh, decorated. It was just so pretty and mm -hmm. stuff. And I thought, man, that must be really, heaven's gonna be awesome. Mm. Yeah, I was just going to say the word says, I have not seen nor ear heard the things that God has prepared for those who love him. And so, mm -hmm. and, and you, and so naturally you start thinking about the things you haven't seen, but what about the things you haven't heard? You know, yeah. it's like, what would that be? What, you know what I'm saying? And even though we've heard a lot of uh, people preach about heaven or we read descriptions, it's still not enough to fully understand right. what it's really going to be like. Right. So it's going to be a White, big surprise. Right. Even Ellen White says in her writings that words just cannot express what it looks like. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's amazing. Very, it's going to be just a big surprise to our, and a shock to our senses to see something so glorious and beautiful. And then it talks about that if people... Uh, men and women plunged in sin, refused the heavenly benefits and trample upon the invitations of mercy, that what's Jesus going to do? Jesus carry out the figure in the parable. Such shall not taste of his glory, but the invitation will be extended to another class. Mm -hmm. So he's telling us we don't have to accept his invitation to heaven. He's telling everyone, here's the invitation you don't have to accept it. Just like when you get a RSVP in the mail from somebody, you don't have to send it back. You don't have to sign, yes, I'll be there. You're free to do it. And then 
someone else will be invited. So there's going to be plenty of room for those who accept Christ's invitation. It says uh, in the next paragraph right there where it says, therefore. Uh Yeah, that. Yeah, where it says, therefore, man in his present state cannot enter the kingdom of God. So what's going to happen? How are we going to get to heaven? We have to be um, transformed from these corruptible bodies into incorruptible bodies. Okay, and how are we going to do that? In the twinkling of an eye. <laughs> through the power of God, that's the only yeah, way. Yeah, right, through the power it. of God. We're not going to do anything. Yeah, it says right here, if you look in where it says, therefore, man in his present state, says, but when Jesus comes. He confers immortality upon his Yeah, life. It's only through Christ will anybody get to heaven. We can't do it ourselves. No way can we ever get to heaven on our own. But when Jesus comes, he's the one that's going to confer immortality and then call those his chosen ones to inherit the kingdom. Okay, so that's 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 going to be amazing. So we're all looking for Christ's second coming because he says when he comes, what's he bringing with him? All of his reward. reward and yeah. his reward. Yeah, bringing his reward. Right. Yeah. Now on this paragraph where it says life insurance, the important part, one of the important parts, is starts out with the sins through the agency of who. The Holy Spirit. Yeah. Through the agency of the Holy Spirit, God works a moral change in the lives of his people, changing them into the likeness of who? Christ. Yeah. Now, so what what part do we play in becoming more like Christ? We have to cooperate with the Holy Spirit for the working out of our salvation. You know, when the spirit speaks, we have to listen and obey. Okay, when the spirit when the, speaks to when us, the word, the word is living. So, so the word is, is the living word. So when it speaks, we have to listen and obey. Okay, anybody else? What do we have to do? It says that basically the agency of the Holy Spirit is the power. What do we have to do? We have to surrender. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Why does surrender seem to be so hard for us? Does it seem hard to you to surrender your life to Christ? Because we were born in sin, shaping in iniquity. And we think we 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 think we um the best thing since sliced bread. (laughs) (laughs) And I think a lot of us have a tendency to be independent. We kind of used to doing things ourselves for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's a good point. So if we have all those issues going against us, should we even try to be like Christ? We should really want to try to be like him. We don't have to try by ourselves. He's going to help us. We're not doing it by ourselves. We will, we will fail. We don't, we call ourselves doing it by ourselves. Yeah. So in in this life that we have, it's our duty to seek to form a character like Christ. And as everybody has mentioned, uh, through study, through prayer, through 
submission, sacrifice, desire to be like him, and to allow the Holy Spirit to make that change in our character. So we can't do it ourselves. There's a lot of people who think they're going to do this and I'm going to do that and I'm going to do the other thing. And you can't, you can't do it. It's only through the Holy Spirit power that any of us will be changed into the likeness of Christ. Mm -hmm. Any other thoughts on that? Uh, where do we find our life insurance policy? Where do we get the promise of eternal life? In the word, in the word of God. Mm -hmm. Yeah, in the Holy Scriptures, right? Full of precious promises. Uh, Jesus said, search the scriptures for in them you find what? Eternal life. Mm -hmm. For those scriptures testify of him. Mm -hmm. And he is the way, the truth, and the life. So that's the only way that any of us will find out about Christ, about who he really is and all the blessings that he has prepared for us through his word and through his testimony. Uh, we always hear about eating the flesh and drinking the blood of the Son of God. What exactly does that mean? It means that being, mean? being, taking in Christ, um, being uh, Andre saying digesting Him, digesting His Word, which is the living Word. <laughs> um, but eating, eating, and drinking constantly of Christ. Um, that's what I would say. Okay, anybody else? What's it mean to eat the flesh and drink the blood of the Son of God? Okay, if you're looking right there in the paragraph that we just started, where about the life insurance policy to eat the flesh and drink the blood means to study the word of God. And study the word of God the and then carry the word of God into your life to be obedient. Right. So studying is not just enough, is it? A lot of people study and go on about their way. But it's also to take what we've learned through study and prayer and to allow the spirit to incorporate that into our life, into our character, into our morality and ethics. Now, if, uh, Karen mentioned we eat and drink daily. How often should we eat and drink the Son of God? Or how often should we study and pray? As much as possible, daily. Daily? Daily. Yeah, daily, of course. You know, it's interesting how so many people refuse to miss a meal of physical food, but so many people miss spiritual food every day of their lives. It says uh, they carry in their lives an assurance of the holy principles received from the word. Their lives are worked by the power of the Holy Spirit, and they have an earnest of the immortality that will be theirs through the death and resurrection of Christ. I was reading that part where it says, and they have an earnest of the immortality that will be theirs. What does that uh, mean? A guarantee. Okay, a guarantee of it. Anybody else? Nobody else read that part? A promise. Yeah, a promise. It's all those things. Just saying, you know how we say your home should be a little bit of heaven on earth. So when we allow the Holy Spirit to work through us, 
then we'll have a little bit of that immortality that's going to be ours when we get to heaven. Just by allowing the Holy Spirit to lead and guide us and to allow the character of Christ to become the character that we exhibit. So it's very interesting that we can, just like we can have a little bit of heaven on earth, we can have a little bit of immortality on earth. It says, even though the earthly body decays, the principles of our faith sustain us, for we are partakers of the divine nature. Any other thoughts on that part? Let's go to where it says this truth. And if you're looking on the screen, you see where I highlighted the word truth in blue. Yeah. Can everybody see the uh, writings on the screen? Yes. Okay. Yeah, you see where I highlighted in truth? That's where I'm at. Okay. So it says, as the living father has sent me and I live by the father, so he that eats me, even shall he live by me. I am the bread of life. He that comes to me shall never hunger. So again, we're talking about when you're talking about the bread of life, talking about the word of God. And when it says he that comes to me shall never hunger, what is Jesus talking about there? What does it mean, he that comes to me shall never hunger? Well, I simply think that as you are studying the, the word of God, God is going to be there sending the Holy Spirit to, make, to help you to go through whatever and understand what he wants you to understand. And he's saying, if you're coming to him, you're not going to hunger because he's going to give you his understanding, his wisdom, and his knowledge that will carry you through if you continue to stay faithful to him. Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen. Anyone else? What does that mean? He that comes to me shall never hunger. Anybody familiar with the 23rd Psalm? Yes. The Lord, the Lord is, is my, my shepherd. shepherd. I shall not want. Yeah, it's the same thing. When you accept Christ, you don't have a need for anything. He takes good care of you. He blesses you with that which is essential for your eternal salvation is not saying that you might not have physical hunger, but when you accept Christ and you study in his word, you won't hunger spiritually and that he takes care of everything that you need to be saved in his kingdom, which that is much better than just physical food. Amen. If we go to, Amen. yeah, we go to uh, mansions prepared for the redeemed. What do you think those mansions are going to look like? Anybody? It's just your opinion. Beautiful. They're going to be beautiful. They're going to be big. I don't know. Making a, a mansion for one person, it seems like it's kind of wasteful, but I'll take mine. <laughs> a friend of mine and I were having this discussion a few weeks ago, and we were trying to figure out what it would actually look like because we won't need to sleep, so we won't have bedrooms. You know, we probably won't have bathrooms. So, actually, what is it going to be? That's a very interesting thought, right there. So, I think I know. 
I know it's going to have a mantle that we can put our 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 um our crown on. I've read that in L and G White. But you know, even so, even so, I said before this pandemic, I said in the summer, you know, some summers I used to just ride in neighborhoods where they have those big mansions out there in Ladue and places like that, just to look. And I'm like, I can't imagine, you know, even if with my mind, what what God's mansion for me will look like. Because when I see those mansions, I'm like, man, those people must have a lot of money. And they're really beautiful what I can see on earth, but God's mansion is going to be uh, uh, twice as beautiful. Mm-hmm. Anybody else? What do you think those mansions will look like? Or what's in them or anything? Well, you know, Elder uh, Carol, when they say the streets are made of gold, I imagine that you know, you don't put a, you go, the kind of mansion we're going to be living in, if the streets are made of gold, can you imagine what the mansions are going to be made of? <laughs> well, whatever they look like, it's hard for us to figure it out. But it's nice to think about it, you know, and wonder what God has prepared. We, we're probably not going to be close to it, even though we think of some nice looking mansions. We won't be close to what he really has in store for us. But it's going to be a real blessing. And even now, when we accept Christ as our Savior, it says that we hold the title deeds to the real estate in the kingdom of glory. That sounds pretty nice. You know, people down here um, do all they can to get a title to a house on earth. But, you know, all these houses are going to burn up, right? Mm -hmm. And when you buy a house, it's not perfect. You got leaky windows, the floors creak. You know, mice and bugs find a way into it. Roof starts leaking. You know, it's all kind of problems with these earthly houses. But when we get to heaven, the mansion God has prepared for us is going to be magnificent, going to be eternal, and it's going to be perfect. It's going to be more than we could ever think of. So even when we look at big houses down here, which are really pretty, not going to hold a candle to what we have in heaven. Uh, Lakita mentioned something about the crowns. Uh, the next one, the next paragraph down, it talks about crowns for the faithful. Anybody see anything interesting when you read through that? We should all be reading ahead in our books so that we can discuss. So did anyone see anything that really struck them in that paragraph, crown for the faithful? I know I like when it says the angels are going to be employed for making crowns. Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? Mm -hmm. And then what else did it say about those crowns? Uh, That they will be reflected with splendor, the light which radiates from the throne of God. Isn't that amazing? The crowns with the um, stars in them are going to be reflecting the light from the throne of God. If you ever went to the store and looked at diamond rings or, you know, in the market to buy a diamond ring or whatever, then they always talk to you about how the diamond sparkles and how it shines and all these manufacturers and jewelers fight for ways to make them sparkle more than the next person's. But when we get to heaven, our crowns, the stars in our crowns, are going to sparkle with the light from the throne of God. I don't think anything can be more sparkly than that. Mm-mm. 
That's going to be pretty amazing. As she writes, talk of heavenly things. How often do we really talk of heavenly things? Do we just talk of heavenly things on the Sabbath? Do we just talk of heavenly things when we get sick of earthly things? Do we only talk of heavenly things when somebody else brings it up? You know, it says, uh, where your heart is, there will your treasure be also. So the things that interest you, people will recognize it because that's what you tend to talk about. So how often do we talk about heavenly things? We should talk of Jesus, talk of his loveliness and glory, his undying love for us, and let our heart flow out in love and gratitude to him who died to save us. So when we're in conversation, you know, talk to your friends, mention Jesus, let them know how much he loves them. Talk to them about the reward that he has for those who love him and accept him. Not always about earthly stuff. I can guarantee you most people this week are going to be saying something to their friends about the Super Bowl. But how many of us are going to talk to people about the super reward that God has for us in heaven. It was interesting to me today, I, one of my tenants called to ask me a question and she called and I said, I, I only answer for emergencies on Sabbath, you know, cause I'm off work. So I said to her, I said, you know, I only, uh, I don't work on Saturday. I said, I only answer the phone for emergencies. So she, she says, uh, you should, you should be, you usually off on Sunday. Shouldn't you be off on Sunday? I said, no, you know, I work on Sunday all the time. She said, you should be off on Sunday though, right? I said, no, the seventh day is the Sabbath. And she said, yeah, right, the Sabbath. And I was surprised that she had even knew anything about the Sabbath. But then, you know, I talked to her and told her I'd talk to her tomorrow. So you know, I'm going to be more able to talk to them, talk to her about heavenly things since I see that she has some interest. And Elder so Carroll, uh -huh. Elder Carroll, you know, when you were talking about the Super Bowl, Dr. Johnson uh, on the 630 prayer line with uh, Central State Conference, she gave a good analysis and, to, and, and she tied it in with the preparation that we should be having you know, for Christ the way, and, you know, like I said, she, she did a very good, excellent job on it. So though, and I said, it made me think when somebody called to talk to me about the Super Bowl, that gave me some directions to let, you know, cause she talked about how the players have to prepare and, you know, and she was drawing analysis that we should be preparing for, you know, for God's kingdom and how they have to have confidence when they go out there and I said, it is, I mean, because I'm always taking notes. And I said, it was just so, it was just so enlightening. And I was like, so when these people called to talk to me about the Super Bowl, I, it, it gave me something that I can get tied in with Christ and let them see, you know, this is just a game, but the game of life is eternal. Amen. Yeah. That's terrific. Yeah, there's always an opportunity. If you pray and ask God to give you an opportunity he will make an opportunity for you to say something in due season and talk about Christ. Uh, right there it says, where it starts, it is the waiting ones who to be, is the waiting ones who are to be crowned with glory, honor, and immortality. Then it says, you need not talk of the honors of the world or praise the world's great ones. They, that's just vanity. But it says, let the finger of God touch them and they would soon go back to dust again. 
So even talking about the um, famous football players, people talk about football players, they talk about sports figures, they talk about how great entertainers are, they might talk about business people, et cetera, et cetera. But it's, she's letting us know that if it wasn't for God's blessings on them, they'd soon go right back to dust again, like everybody else on the planet. So while it's nice to admire what people have accomplished with the talents God gives them, we shouldn't hold anybody up as an idol. We shouldn't hold anybody up as our example other than Christ, because they're just people too. And it's only the blessing of God that they are where they are and we are where we are. So we should keep all of our honor for the Lord. Any other thoughts about that part? Andre has something he wanted to say. You know, uh -huh. one of the things that I, I think, um, Lee, is there's been a lot of Christian athletes that have been upset about not being able to go to some of the events during the Super Bowl and all the different parties because all the parties are drinking and smoking and, and all the worldly stuff. And these are Christian athletes. It's like, well, we're athletes and we want to celebrate during the Super Bowl time with Jesus. So if you notice, there's going to be a lot of different programs and Christian uh, programming that happen tonight and maybe tomorrow that involve a lot of the Christian athletes. And they're starting to speak up. You know, we always talk about being in the closet. And a lot of these guys are like, no, we don't need to stay in the closet with Jesus. <coughs> Excuse me. We want to um, celebrate um, our, our beliefs and our Christian music and gospel music um, over the same period of time. So it's interesting mm -hmm. that you might, you're going to start seeing some of that stuff take place too. And I'm glad you're speaking out. Yeah. All of us need to speak out for Christ yes. in whatever, whatever opportunity we have. You know, I've always wondered about uh, sometime we have a, a law gets passed or whatever. Uh, for example, I'll just pick somebody. Maybe somebody says, uh, we want a law that says you have to take um, where it says um, we trust in God, we trust out of the courtroom. Mm -hmm. Well, okay, well, who decided that? Did the Christians get a chance to vote against doing that? Right. Or did right. somebody else mm -hmm. just get their vote in first? You know, mm -hmm. Christians have a say so also, you know, or, you know, a lot of different things that happen in life. It seems like this one specific uh, group gets to have the vote. But where are all the votes from the Christian people counted. The only at. thing about it is, you know, Elder Carroll. Only thing about it, right? We need separation of church and state because when it comes to when those two come together, that's when we have persecution. Aaron, do they still use the Bible when they swear people in, or do they swear people in still? No, they don't use the Bible. You just hold up your right hand. Yeah, oh, they swear okay. in. Yeah, they sometimes don't even say so. Help you, God, either. Hmm. Why is it on the why is it on money though? And God, we trust. That doesn't make any sense. Well, the Federal well, Reserve that... makes the money, and they're not government. No. <laughs> Andre can talk about that. We don't actually make it; we disperse of it. So, and I had a question. Uh huh. You know, she they like I said, they took prayer out of school and everything. And I understand what Karen is saying. You don't want school. And, and state coming together. But when we saw the, all these inaugurations, 
they have them. Don't they put their hand on the Bible? At least well, I did. thought that. The, mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought that's what they were doing was putting their hand on the Bible. Yep, right. Sure did. Yeah. Well, when you think about it, this whole country was founded on God. So there's a lot of religion built in. And sometimes, you know, people want to take it out. And you kind of pulling teeth for some people because it's been there for so long. It's hard to do, hard to unwind it. Uh, the thing about it is we don't want to. Wait a minute. What? What'd you say, Patsy? Go okay. ahead, Patsy. When- Okay, but when I grew up in school, and I guess maybe it's because I came from a small town, we had prayer every morning when we got to school. But we prayed at home, too, before we left. But at school, we never started. I mean, it came over the intercom, and you would stand. And if you were Jehovah Witness, they allowed you to sit down. But we had prayer out loud over the intercom. Yeah, that's back in the day. Not I mean, now. Why did the whole Jehovah Witness people sit down, Patsy? Yeah, why? Because they they didn't. As I said, and I had some in my classroom. They didn't believe in in, in praying. I guess because you know they. I think our announcements always started off bow your head for Jesus, and then they would have a different child, you know, praying. But our Jehovah Witness kids never had to stand up, and they never prayed. As they would be praying to Jehovah, they that's their thing, and, and they don't use any other names like exactly. Jesus, the Lord. They only use Jehovah. Hmm. Now, also too, one of the um, as Christians, our spiritual and moral and ethical values do play a part in everything that we do. So that when we vote, we're voting with the character and the beliefs that we have. One of the things we have to be most careful of is when the government tries to dictate religion. That's the big issue is when the government starts trying to dictate how you um, worship God and when you worship God and what you you can do as far as that. Now we got a problem, but the country's founded on a religious base. So we still see like at the courthouse, you'll see a big monument out front saying in God we trust or you'll see 10 commandments written on top of the court buildings or on the money, you know? So that's why you see a lot of things, but the real issue is when the government tries to tell you how and who to worship, that's the real problem. On this next paragraph, it says, I saw a very great number of angels bring from the city glorious crowns, a crown for every saint with his name written thereon. So this isn't, you know, the Lord, he ain't just tell them, y'all go get some spare crowns out of the back room. These crowns are specifically for each saint, each person. And those crowns are going to have a certain number of stars on them based on your work as a witness and an evangelist for Christ. So it's not just a big uh, generic crown. It's a specific crown for a specific person. And I know it. Uh, we had mentioned this before that uh, sometimes we think, oh, somebody going to steal your crown. It wasn't your crown in the first place if you don't get it because it's a specific crown for a specific person. Not just going to say, oh, you made it here. Take this crown. <laughs> it's going to have your name on it. And it's going to have the number of stars 
specifically to your evangelistic outreach efforts. And I, I thought this was very interesting. That same paragraph, it says the commanding angel, okay, let's see, in the same manner, the angels brought harps. So they brought crowns and they brought harps. And then the, the commanding angels started playing their harps. Every voice was raised. Then it says every hand skillfully swept over the strings of the harp. So I've never learned to play a harp, but the Lord's going to bless me to play a harp in heaven. Right. So that will be uh, pretty interesting. And it is talking about some of the blessings that we will receive in heaven, a crown, a harp says within the city, there's everything to rehearse, uh, everything to feast the eye rather rich glory is everywhere, everywhere you look. And uh, Jesus said, I behold the travail of my soul and am satisfied. This rich glory is yours to enjoy eternally. Your sorrows are ended. There should be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain. And then Jesus led the people to where after that? Tree of life. Okay, what was happening with the tree of life? All types of fruit that the saints could enjoy. Okay. The tree of life was um, taken, and uh, well, Adam and Eve was set out of Eden so that they would not eat of the tree of life because if they had and sin was on earth, then, you know, people, they would have been not necessarily immortal but they would have lived long, 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 miserable lives. And we too. So in mercy, the tree of life was removed. And so now taking us, taking people to the tree of life was giving them permission to eat of the tree and to experience immortality, if you will, if we could call it that, um, and to experience that long life and no sickness and no health problems, et cetera, et cetera. And it was restoring us. It's like a, a culminated event of restoring us back to the um, Eden idyllic state where we can eat of the tree of life because mm -hmm. we were not allowed to eat of the tree of life as a result of sin. And then it also says it's the most glorious throne there from which proceeded a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal. And on each side of the river was the tree of life and the banks of the river were also other beautiful trees bearing fruit. So I kind of imagine that the river was flowing through the center of the tree. You know, you've seen that big, Andre, didn't you have a picture of you and Karen at that big tree that you could walk under? under? Was that the tree um, in uh, mm -hmm. the middle of Missouri? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that tree was like over 400 years old. No, not the oldest oak tree. Oh. I, I thought you had a picture of you at one of those big redwood trees that had the road going through it. No, I okay. wish we, um, no, we don't have anything like that. <laughs> you know, I, I at, wish we did. When I, when I think about the tree of life, I think about this tree. There's two sides to this beautiful river that comes from the throne of God. And then on this side of the river is a trunk, tree trunk. And on the other side, and that they, they come up together and they, meet at the top so it's kind right. of like a canopy there that's uh -huh. kind of how i, I right. envision 
Right. But you know what I was thinking? I was thinking about the fact that every month we're going to come and eat from this tree of life and standing on it's 12 kinds of fruits and then but standing on the sea of, sea of glass is a number that no man can number so then i said that tree has to be humongous yeah to feed yeah. to feed yeah. a number that no man can number every month so of course i started thinking about the arch and how far you can see you can be in a lot of different places in st louis and see the arch so i think about you know we try to imagine and we, we're trying our best to imagine with our finite thinking. I'm thinking about something as big as the arch where you can see this tree. It's probably going to be bigger than that. But you're going to be able to see it from all over the city, you know? Mm -hmm. It's amazing. I have not seen, neither has entered into the heart of man, the blessings God has prepared for us. So uh, the Lord leads us. Uh, we had crowns. We had harps got the tree of life, and then what else is the inheritance of the saints? Yeah. What does it say next? Rich robes. Mm -hmm. So the heirs, of, the heirs of God have come from garrets, hovels, dungeons, scaffolds, mountains, deserts, caves of the sea, caverns of the sea, but no longer feeble, afflicted, scattered, and oppressed henceforth to ever be with the Lord. Now I was reading that and you noticed uh, when it talks about the heirs of God, it never mentioned they're gonna come from the Ritz Carlton Hotel or from nice duck fluffy down pillow mattresses. You notice the people of God come from all kinds of places and they're not all fun and games either because the people have been persecuted by the devil. So they've had to run to dungeons, been in dungeons, uh, died on scaffolds, hidden in the mountains, run to the caves of the earth, you know, because of oppression. So we have to remember that too, that there will come a time on this earth where once again, the saints of God will be persecuted and forced to run, flee to the wilderness. But then it says they stand before the throne of God, clad in richer robes than the most honored of earth have ever worn, crowned with uh, diadems or crowns more glorious than were ever placed on the brow of earthly monarchs. And if you've ever seen uh, Queen Elizabeth's crown, man, that is a nice looking crown. Got all his diamonds on it and rubies and emeralds. But here, Sister White is saying that that's nothing compared to the crown that Christ is going to put on our heads. And those fancy robes, you know, if you go to a spa, they give you a nice fluffy robe and they heat it so it's nice and warm. There's going to be nothing compared to the robe of righteousness that Christ gives us. It's going to be amazing. And then also, it points out the king of glory has wiped all tears from all faces. Every cause of grief has been removed. Then it says, amid the waving of what? The palm branches. Yeah, what do you think yeah. that's for? What is palm branches for? I know that the um, people laid down palm branches before Jesus as he was entering to Jerusalem, right? On that donkey. Mm -hmm. I know that. Yeah, they put the palm branches down in front of Christ as he was entering Jerusalem. Anything else? Palm branches. Palm branches was a show of royalty. And they were acknowledging his royalty by waving those palm branches. 
and singing songs to him. So that's going to be the same in heaven. We'll be waving palm branches and singing praise to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So the last paragraph says, crowns, harps, palm branches, the emblems of victory, uh, Christ followed, the Savior gives his followers the emblems of victory and invest them with the insignia of their royal, royal uh, state. Crowns, harps, palm branches, robe, tree of life, mansions, is all, ble all blessings, all gifts, and all rewards for accepting Christ as our Lord and Savior and following him. Uh, then it says that the glittering ranks are drawn up in the form of a hollow square around Jesus, whose form rises in majesty above saint and angel, and whose countenance beams upon them full of benignant love. Throughout the unnumbered host, like Karen was saying, unnumbered host of the redeemed, everybody's eyes is fixed on Christ. Every eye beholds his glory. And then it points out that at, at one point, Jesus' visage or his image was so marred more than any man in his form, more than the sons of man. At what point was that in Christ's life where he was so marred more than any man? When he died on the cross? Yeah. Why was his visage marred? Because he took the yeah. sins of the whole world in order yeah. to save us. Exactly. It was a lot on him. And he was beaten. He was whipped with the scourge. He uh, was mistreated, was held throughout the night without sleep. You know, and like Patsy's saying, he had the weight of the world upon him. And that will definitely change your appearance. So people couldn't even hardly recognize him. You know, I, I remember that movie, um, the, uh, what was it called? The Pattern, not The Pattern of Christ. Remember with Mel Gibson, what was that movie called? Passion of Christ. Yeah, The Passion of Christ. And a lot of people saw that movie. And when they saw the, the picture of Jesus, they were shocked. You know, and they said that people was leaving the theater because they couldn't stand to look at him. But that's how he was after this uh, punishment he had taken and putting the weight of the world upon his shoulders. Uh, so marred more than any man in his form, more than the sons of men. But then uh, we'll see him in his glorious state in heaven when he returns. And it says, in every hand are placed the victor's palm and the shining heart. And then finally it says, a rapture unutterable thrills every heart and each voice is raised in grateful praise. Finally, it says at the last sentence, unto him that loved us, talking about Jesus, and washed us from our sins in his own blood and made us kings and priests unto God and his father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen to that. It's amazing what Christ went through for us for salvation and that we might receive the reward of heaven and a life of eternal glory with him and the Father and the Holy Spirit and all the angels and all the saints from all the ages. So it's something to think about. Again, we can imagine all we want and it's fun to imagine and it's nice to discuss, but only Jesus knows what he has planned for us. And it's going to be a wonderful surprise when we get there and say, 
wow, this ain't nothing like what I imagined. It's going to be way more than we could ever imagine. So I know I want to be there. How about you? Yeah. Amen. 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 Yes, Amen. Lord. Praise the Lord. So uh, that in chapter six, again, uh, read ahead so that when we're going through it, we can all discuss what we've read and studied about it. Uh, <clears throat> next week, Karen, what, what are we on? We are in Testimonies for the Church, volume one, and we'll be reading from uh, or studying from uh, chapter 80. Chapter eight, zero. Yes. Okay, chapter 80, Testimonies, Volume 1, for next week. Please read ahead so that we can have uh, hear your opinions and thoughts on what you read. At this time, we have closing prayer, and then we'll come back and have a um, special prayer request, okay? So, uh, Lakita, would you close us out for our live session? And thank you to all those who joined us online. We appreciate you tuning in. Most honorable Father, in the blessed name of Jesus, we are so grateful to learn about what you are preparing for us, dear Lord. We know that we cannot even begin to uh, imagine what great things you have ready for us, uh, dear Father. And so, Lord, as we go uh, forward this week, Lord, help us to keep in the forefront of our minds that you have all, already gone ahead of us, a place that's prepared for us. And now it's just all we have to do is accept the gift that you're giving us of eternal life. We praise your holy name for your goodness and your graciousness and kindness towards us. And in the name of Jesus, we pray and we thank you so much. Amen. 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 Amen.